Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. The Knicks drop game one of the playoffs to the Atlanta Hawks at the Garden 107 to 105. Gavin, there is a lot to get into with this game. What are some of the things we are going to be talking about in this episode? Oh man, a whole bunch. Alec Burks's incredible game on a positive note, the environment in the Garden Somewhat inconsistent officiating down the stretch that we clearly unbiased feel benefited the Atlanta Hawks. And of course, Julius Randle's struggles in the biggest game of his Knicks career. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. The NBA playoffs are here. Do not miss out on the big storylines and team previews you can find every day on the Locked On NBA podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. Plenty of great uh, coverage there over the weekend from some really great writers about, about the Hawks and what to expect in this series, although we got to see some of that play out. He is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play man, and of course, Nick's podcaster, uh, here to help break down this game. Gavin, I, uh, I, I'm i still kind of reeling from this one a little bit. Uh, 107 to 105, the Knicks lose. Trey Young gets the deciding bucket, gets to mean mug the garden crowd as much as Trey Young is possibly capable of mean mugging. Um, it was just, it was, a, it was a heartbreaker. I mean, it's it's easy to say, you know, the Knicks are playing with house money no matter what happens this postseason. You know, they, they've they gotten further than we thought they were going to get. But this still felt like a game that the Knicks should have won. Um, they got off to just a horrendous start. Both teams kind of seemed like they had butterflies in the first quarter. Uh, but the Hawks kind of sorted them out quicker than the Knicks did. And uh, the Hawks also weren't starting out for Peyton. And... You know, the Knicks only score, I think it was 16 points in the first quarter. Not ideal. Uh, and they did manage to turn it around in the second quarter and went into the half, I believe, just down by three or two. It was very close at the half. Managed to pull ahead in the third quarter. And you start to think, okay, things are going good. You know, third and fourth quarter, most of the way, it's looking like the Knicks might be able to pull out a win here. And then ultimately down the stretch, it was just kind of like the Knicks would go on a mini run, get up by like three, four, five, six points. Then the Hawks would also go on a mini run, get it back within one or tie it or whatever else. Um, you know, just all kinds of, it, basically just the the Hawks kept punching back every time that the Knicks would, you know, try to extend out and kind of put the game away. And then of course, down the stretch, there's some maybe questionable officiating, which we can get into first, second, third. I don't really care. It's got to be addressed at some point though. Uh, very inconsistent on how the refs decided to call this game. Trey Young didn't have a free throw attempt until the fourth quarter and then ends up with seven 
for the game, which was just not uh, a not good. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, but then you know the the Knicks just you know lose it on a Trey Young floater down the stretch. They brought Frank in cold and put him on on Trey to try to contain him there. Frank did an okay job right up until the the point when Trey just made that move that he had to make to finish things off. And then with 0.9 seconds left, uh, Alec Burks had himself a really hot fourth quarter and for whatever reason was inbounding the ball with 0.9 seconds to go, despite being the guy with the fastest release on the team that would be best equipped to take a shot in that time frame. And it goes to Julius Randle. He got it with bad positioning, had to try to turn around and shoot, which you obviously can't do in a second, and did get the shot off. Knicks lose. That's that. Um, Gavin, sorry, I, I think I just kind of – my brain started melting partway through that. I'm still not totally over this if it's not obvious. Uh, but where do you want to start as far as breaking down what happened in this game? I'll just quickly say that last play was not good. And obviously, look, the odds are against you with 0.5 seconds left and the other team – basically knows who, who you want to get the ball to, um, which to your point is why you shouldn't have Burks inbounding it because then you have a credible second option out there. But it the Knicks have had issues on those plays all season. And I think the, the margin between a coach who's really good at designing those types of plays and one who's really bad is maybe one or two wins all year. Like you're, you're usually not going to hit that shot regardless, but that's been one of the egregious misses from Tibbs all season is those types of plays. And tonight was no different, but I want to circle back to how I think they really lost this game. And it was Julius Randle not playing particularly well. And I think you, you got to give Atlanta some credit. And in some ways, with the exception of, of Randle having a particularly bad game, I think both teams played to form to some extent. Atlanta, objectively, I know a lot of Knicks fans don't believe this or or choose not to think about it, but Atlanta's probably the more talented team of the two here. And that's not a shot at the Knicks. Atlanta just has a really good combination of of a star in Trey Young and extremely talented guys around him throughout up and down their starting line. They're one of the most well-balanced teams in the NBA. Uh, Since Nate McMillan took over as head coach, they've been playing at about a 57-win pace. So they're really, really good. We, we, can, we can start off by saying that. And they put you into really tough situations defensively. There, there, were, there were just all these great battles between the Knicks, who by a couple of different metrics were one of the two or three best defenses in the league all year, by some metrics the best defense in the entire year, and in the Hawks with, with all that talent where Trey Young would beat a guy, but um, someone like Reggie Bullock would, would scramble over and stop. And then he makes the next pass, R.J. Barrett, flashing out. Rose fighting around screens to run over and block Young. It, it was it was this great. I don't even want to call it a chess match. It was it was just this great match of, of two teams that are excellent on one end of the floor, and it happens to coincide. But Atlanta at different points got the better of that battle, and down the stretch it is ultimately where they won this game and where that showed up. Where the Knicks were in control in the third quarter, um, and then give up seven straight points to Lou Williams. That's just a, a, a guy who's had a tough postseason career in general, but really, really flashed his offensive talent in that moment. And then we, we got to see it again in the fourth with Trey. Again, you you can quibble rightfully with the officiating. We, we can get into it a little later, Alex. I thought 
Uh, Emmanuel quickly not getting a foul um, when Clint Capella hooked his arm when it was 88-86, a, a call that's been made all season. And then Trey getting that one down the stretch, it's, it's, it's inaccusable. It's, it's officiating based on who the player is instead of what happened on the court. That's not great. But Trey gets to the free throw line. He's top two, three in the NBA, maybe just behind Giannis. Or, or I, I think he's second in the NBA in that category. That, that's what he does all year. Another big difference, Trey makes his free throws. The Knicks could have won this game. Julius Randle went one for two at the line in the last six minutes. Alec Burks went two for four at the line in the last five minutes. You make those, not an issue. You're probably winning anyways. Um, But my point is Atlanta's offensive talent flashed. Bogdanovich, who really struggled this whole game. RJ RJ had a chance to clinch it if he had intercepted that pass in the final two minutes of this one, but instead went through his hands, bogey catches it, nails a three. On the other end of the floor, You have Alec Burks making play after play after play, but the Knicks went to the well one too many times. He pump fakes his way by a guy, gets a beautiful look 15 feet out, misses it, and I I wasn't even like heartbroken in the moment because I'm like, this guy has made so many crazy plays for us throughout this game and particularly down the stretch. He was due to miss one. And the Knicks, unfortunately, with all the talent they've had this year, outside of Derrick Rose, who, who made that massive floater to tie it, it felt like they didn't have anyone else they could go to because Randall from the get-go in this game was completely out of sorts, just never really looked comfortable. Clyde said it, it, it was as simple as you can phrase it. He, he was out of rhythm from the beginning and he never found it. RJ, I've, this wasn't something we really got into in our previews. Maybe it sounds um, like a little retroactive on my part to say this, but I expect him to have his efficiency struggles in this series. He's 20 years old for as talented as, of a guy as he is. This is a big, big stage against some really good perimeter defenders and a really good interior defender in Capella on the other team. He's going to have moments where things get extremely tough for him. And, and that's just a fact in the series. And, and I, I'm not sure, I, I'm sure he's going to have his big games, but I don't think they're going to be on great efficiency. So the Knicks just didn't have as many offensive weapons as the Hawks because Randall had a terrible game and, and they lost because of it. That's as as simple as you can boil it down, and sure, we, we, we can go over it, and we will, like all the single plays and moments that led to this happening, but that was, to me at least, that was the biggest difference tonight, and that's why Atlanta won the game. But Alex, um, after this one, because this was, this was emotionally extremely painful for me, it really, really sucked, um, I just, I knew I needed to calm down, and the best way for me to if not calm down to at least feel a little bit more centered and understand why I'm upset is to meditate. And I, I always like to be able to do it on the go. And I think wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, be better? Well, now there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I've experienced all those things with Headspace. I Like two, three years ago, I was going through um, a period where I had an immense amount of stress, um, a, 
a variety of, of, of mental health issues. And I was kind of looking for a solution. And I, I took a class on meditation and it really, really helped me. But I said, look, I, I want I want continued help. I, I want something that can guide me on a day-to-day basis. And honestly, I found that in Headspace. It, it really, really does make a difference if, if you do it consistently. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on. That's headspace.com slash locked on MBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full libraries, full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on MBA today. And maybe once you, you know, work on your meditation and, and find your center, then maybe you go do a workout and you need some protein, a good protein boost to, you know, kind of carry you through the rest of your day. And that's where Built Bars come in. Built Bars, yes, they are the best tasting protein bar ever. And did you know that they have nine delicious flavors available all times, plus the occasional limited time flavor? Let me tell you what that normal roster is. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. I don't have to tell you. My favorite is coconut almond with those little almond chunks in it. And just the flavor tastes exactly like an Almond Joy bar, which is one of my favorite candy bars of all time. You can't go wrong with Coconut Almond Built Bars. There really is something for everyone, though. You just heard all those flavors plus those limited flavors. You'll have no issue finding a Built Bar for you. And if you kind of just want to try all of them and see which one's your favorite, you can always order a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. And you don't have to feel bad about eating that many bars either. Of course, that's 18 bars that look and taste like a candy bar. If you ate 18 candy bars, you'd feel pretty bad about yourself. But with Built Bars, you don't have to because they are good for you. They have 17 grams of protein, which is enormous compared to only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a bar that gives you a better bang for your buck as far as high protein and low calories, low sugar than Built Bars. So if you want to pick some up for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. And you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Gavin, I think is now the time. I think it's where we should uh, talk about Alec Burks and the amazing job that he did in this game. The starters really, I mean, we already talked about Randall struggling, but on top of him struggling, Bullock could not hit anything in this game either. And that is normally like, the A1 combo on the Knicks is Julius Randle and Reggie Bullock in that starting lineup. Like they have won the Knicks many games this season uh, by how great they've been as a tandem, you know, with, with Randle kicking it to Bullock for those open threes. Um, And then, you know, obviously Randle doing his thing in the mid range and all that stuff really things that the Knicks have, have, relied on a ton this year and they didn't really get any of it in this game. Randall, of course, 15 points on six of 23 shooting two of six from three Bullock, six points on three of nine field goals and Oh, five from three. Not often you're going to see an Oh, five game from Reggie Bullock. And that's where Alec Burks came in. I mean, 27 points, nine of 13 shooting three of five from three also had four assists. I'm pulling it up right now, but in the, in the fourth quarter, once again, he was just, 
absolutely lights out. That's just what Alec Burks does at this point. 18 points in the fourth quarter, five of eight shooting, two of three from three, and six of seven from the free throw line. I mean, he was a man possessed in this game, and he quite frankly saved the Knicks. I mean, between him and Derrick Rose, that was 44 points of offense off the bench for the Knicks. If you then add Emmanuel quickly to that, that's 54 points between three players off the bench. Uh, Just a crazy amount of production that came from them, and Burks led the charge. But that three-man unit off the bench... I think provided some of the best basketball of the night for the Knicks um, on a night when most of the starters just really, really did not have it going um, as much as you wanted them to. So uh, I I don't know if I can even pick like a favorite moment necessarily. Obviously the two huge shots down the stretch, I think stand out the most for me for Burks. uh, There was the big corner three that he made uh, that was created off a a really beautiful Taj pass Uh, Taj got past the ball down in the post, then just made a really quick read to find Burks open in the corner who hit the three-pointer. Then next possession, they tried to kind of go back to that again and find Burks in the corner, but uh, the Hawks kind of rotated well enough to you know, deter him from shooting that three-pointer. He then takes it inside the line and makes a nice little two-pointer. That was a huge shot for the Knicks down the stretch. Um, and just... Clutch shot making, clutch scoring, exactly what you expect from Alec Burks, like Mr. Fourth Quarter. Um, and again, he saved the Knicks. They, they wouldn't have been in a position to win this game without him, period. Um, it's not like it was only him, but at times it felt like it was. So uh, I, I thought he just had a fantastic game, Gavin. I don't know if you have any other like moments and plays to stand out to you about uh, Burks in this one, but I was really impressed with him and I... <laughs> Really, really thankful that the Knicks did not listen to me and like trade him at the trade deadline, which I was hoping for, to, you know, to maybe get like a first round pick or something for him. I would say it's well worth it to have him on the team right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And just in general, I think it's such a good sign for the Knicks in this series that that three guard lineup worked really well together and everyone seemingly got their chances because I was of the opinion, and I mean, still am to some extent, that the move is to start one of those guys, probably Burks, and then play the other two together. Because when you have all three of them out out there, it's almost like you're not getting, there's, um, you're you're not getting the most out of all of them, right? Because someone inevitably will be left out. You're going to have your primary creator kicking out to one of the other two, and then the other two will attack a scramble defense. And you can say, yeah, it's nice to have the third guy there for, for spacing, but you're not necessarily maximizing your assets if the opportunity cost is that Alfred Payton is going to start the game, but that is another conversation. And tonight, I actually thought all those guys were well-balanced and it was worth having them out there at the same time. But let's, to your point, get into Burks specifically because he was spectacular in this game. I always talk about it on this podcast. I really think the biggest games of your season reveal a lot about a player and and when a guy's pushed to their fullest um, point of stress. What, what do they have left? What can they do on the basketball court? How can they find ways to help your team win? And for Burks tonight, it was showing off the range of his talents. And when he's playing well, he's he's as good as anyone on this Knicks team because he's such a complete player. And it wasn't just the scoring. I, I thought his passing was really, really impressive in this game. But his very first bucket of the game, um, it was Randall kicking it to RJ in the corner. RJ, quick move down the baseline. And Burks did the manage Ginobili thing where you run into the pass instead of just waiting for the ball to get to you. 
Um, it, it was basically like a really well-timed cut by him, and he used it to get all the way to the rim, make a layup. Then he drives, dump off to Taj Gibson for a dunk. Then a slip pass to Obi Toppin for, for one of my favorite moments of this game, that big, massive, one-handed flush from Obi. Um, Burks, then a, a, a nifty little um, like up-and-under layup. Then snake to pick and roll, double pump, kicked it to Rose in the opposite corner for three. This is all the way in the third quarter to tie it up at 66. Um, then he had that one where he went left side, uh, driving his man, spin move one way, spin move back the other way, slip pass to Taj Gibson, four and and one. Um, then down the stretch, he had, oh, this was this was just a crazy tough shot. Um, he over dribbled, right? And he, he was kind of, I'm, I'm sure you remember this play. I'm sure everyone listening remembers this play. It, was, it really stands out in my mind. He kind of over dribbled baseline, realized he overcommitted. I'm like, all right, dude, just pass the ball, pass the ball, get it out of there. And instead works his way back to the elbow and hits this Kobe-esque fadeaway to give the Knicks an 88-85 lead. Um, then we get into the ones down the stretch that you went into, um, the pump into the baseline jumper. Then when Randall, uh, this, this was Randall, I think his best moment of the game. He or or maybe just the most showing of how good he is and, and how much fear he puts into a defense, even when he's struggling, where he just kind of took one dribble in on Jonathan Collins and Bogdanovich just takes like a half step over to Randall and Randall immediately gives it over to Burks, who hits a side dribble three, um, makes the one free throw. That was the one blemish where he only went one for two from the line where he could have given the Knicks a five point lead in 94-89 instead of his only 93-89. Um, then Gibson kicking it out to him on the short roll. For that final three, um, I, I know I'm going into more detail than probably have time for, but I, I just think it's worth pointing out how deep Burks's bag goes and just how incredible the shot making and the passing is because throughout NBA history, all, all these performances like this that are just lost to time because the team ultimately lost the game. But I, I, don't, think, I don't think we should let that happen with what Alex Burks did tonight because he, he did enough. For the Knicks to win this game, and unfortunately, um, whether you want to put on the refs, whether you want to put on Julius, whether you want to put it on, on the play drawn up at the end, whether you want to put on Frank for not defending Trey well enough, they didn't get it done. But shout out to Alec Burks; he, he deserved to win tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement there. Um, I, I wish that the Knicks could have gotten it for him. Uh, maybe just you know one more bounce here, or there, one less foul call, whatever would have changed it. We'll talk about that in a minute, though. Uh, but first, you know, maybe, <laughs> oh man, this is morbid. Maybe the Knicks are trying to hire a new player or whatever after this game. I doubt it, but you know, you never know. Maybe this is starting to change their mind or, or influence them as far as uh, who to target in the offseason or whatever for more shot creation stuff. But if you're the hiring expert for your company and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates, you need a hiring partner who makes your life easier. You need Indeed. I don't know if Indeed would necessarily be able to help the Knicks, but they could certainly help you if you were looking for someone for your open position at your company. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post screen and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description perfectly perfectly and immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 
According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we're back. Still talking this 107-105. Game one loss to the Hawks by the Knicks. And Gavin, I think it's time to talk about Julius Randle. You know, it's sort of like the the elephant in the room here. Uh, Randle, 15 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. But boy, the shooting was terrible. 6 of 23 shooting, 2 of 6 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line. Not a banner night by any stretch for Julius. Um, I And... You know the thing is, like we were talking about this off air, but I didn't, I didn't have a huge problem with how Julius played in this game. I, you know, he was mostly taking shots that he makes. Um, you know, he's taking his mid-range shots that, from any other player, you might say, "Oh crap!" Like, why is he taking that shot? But from Julius Randle, you just say, hey, "He's been making those all year." So, I mean, take them if they're there. You know, the the baseline faders, the just the little pull-ups from, you know, around the elbow and, uh, you know, the little turnarounds and stuff like that. I mean, he, he's made these all year. There's no reason to deter him from taking them because that's just his shot. Um, I wonder if maybe to some degree he was a little rusty from the long layoff. And I kind of wonder if the whole team kind of suffered from that to a degree, other than obviously like Burks and Rose, who were so good, and quickly, who it seemed like the rest benefited him, uh, maybe kind of helping him get over the the – rookie wall of, of playing as many minutes as he has, you know, and playing as many games more than what he's ever played in his life. But uh, as far as the, uh, you know, the Julius situation, I, I thought that he mostly played a good game, just didn't see the ball going through the hoop. But there was one thing, and at, at risk of sounding like a horrible broken record, it was the Alfred Payton situation. Again, for the umpteenth time, you know, Tibbs still played him, played him eight minutes and it was it was like a five minute hook in the first half I think and a three minute hook in the second half but it's just it's gotten stupid it's stupider at this point I don't know the one thing that the Knicks were really able to take advantage of during the regular season when Julius Randle averaged close to 40 points per game against this team uh the Hawks was like that John Collins starts for them and is a terrible defender and one thing that was happening at the beginning of this game was that John Collins was being allowed to just sit on Alfred Payton when the Knicks were on offense. And that that you're taking away. I mean, they have two like overwhelmingly negative defenders on the floor at any given time when they start the game, the Hawks do. And that's John Collins and Trey Young. And the Knicks were not able to take advantage of either of them just because of the fact that Alfred Payton was you're able to put your, you know, defenseless power forward on Alfred Payton, just hanging in the corner or on the perimeter or whatever, because you know that he's not a threat to do anything like he can't, he's to the point now and it, it carried over into this game. He was 0 for three in this game. He cannot even, you know, make a, a layup or a floater or anything anymore. The things that used to be sort of like the, all right, well, if you're going to play Alfred, at least he can do this, that, and the other, It used to be you would talk about those, you know, the layups and whatever, be like, well, at least he can get inside and make a layup sometimes, or at least he can get inside and hit a little float or whatever. 
he still couldn't hit them in this game. So the Hawks knew they didn't have to respect him in the slightest. As a result, you got DeAndre Hunter on Julius Randle. And like when we were talking to Brad Rowland of uh, Locked on Hawks, that was one of the guys that he had said, like, oh, he's he's probably a big part of the, the plan to try to stop Julius Randle is getting DeAndre Hunter on him. The Hawks clearly had that figured out right from the moment that they saw the starting lineup come out from the Knicks that, okay, well, now Hunter's on Julius Randle and we're just going to throw Collins off on the perimeter to, you know, babysit Alfred Payton and make sure he doesn't get like a completely open layup. But that's it. That's all you have to worry about with him at this point. And he even blows the open ones sometimes. So, you know, it's, I think that, this was like prime example one of what we're talking about when we say that starting Alfred Payton isn't even just about what Alfred Payton can or can't do. What he can't do ends up negatively influencing the rest of the players on the team. And in this game, we saw it literally put Julius Randle at a disadvantage by having to have a much better defender on him at the beginning of the game when he was trying to establish a rhythm which we've seen, I mean, Randall is a rhythm guy. Like some of his best games get started with him hitting like two or three shots in the first few minutes. And that gets him, that gets him going. That gets, you know, he starts seeing the ball go through the hoop and that's like really huge for him. And then he's able to put together these great big games. And we weren't able to see that in this one because of the fact that like Elf was able to be, it, it was like it was essentially like the Knicks playing four on five, you know, when the, the Knicks were on offense to start the game. And that's why they I mean, they only scored. It was like they scored 16 points in the whole first quarter, but they only had like I think it was five or six points through the first like over half of the quarter almost because of the fact that that for the time the elf was out there, they were sunk. And then when he left, you know, they had to kind of dig themselves out of this hole, which is difficult. So I the time was prior to this game to sit him. The time was months ago to sit him and Tibbs still hasn't done it. And yet I I don't know for certain that he's going to do it in game two. And it's really frustrating because I, you know, in a game that the Knicks wound up losing by two, you know, they had to fight their way out of a, you know, an eight point hole after the first quarter that was at times bigger than that. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of unfair to the rest of the team that they're, you know, especially to the two stars of the team and Randall and RJ that they're, forced to play with this guy even if it's only for four minutes at the start of each half it's just it's like putting your worst foot forward to start every game and it's it's very frustrating I can only imagine what it's like for the players at this point and it just it's the fact that Elf has been playing such limited minutes anyways over the last few weeks so that's that's the cognitive dissonance here that I don't understand Tibbs recognizes when he's not playing well and when he's not helpful. And he got a quick trigger in the first quarter and he got a quick trigger in the third quarter. And it feels like he, as if Tibbs in his mind, this is the only way he can buy time. And he's trying to buy time for Derrick Rose, who played 38 minutes tonight. Elf played eight minutes. So essentially there, 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 was, there was barely any time where one of those two weren't on the court. And so essentially what Tibbs is saying is those those are the only two guys on the roster who can run point guard for me. And it's even stranger because he trusted Emmanuel quickly down the stretch. Those two minutes were, if, if I'm remembering correctly, were in the fourth quarter. There was a stretch where quickly was the primary ball handler out there, along with, I guess you, you could say, Burks and, and Randall since he was in the game as well. But I just don't, I, I think, again, what, what it is, I, I know I'm talking in circles here because it's kind of breaking my brain to, to keep thinking about and trying to find new ways to explain this issue. But 
it's kind of what we always go back to with, with Tibbs and Peyton. It's that he feels that Peyton's driving ability and defense are security blankets. And even tonight and the last 12 games where those two qualities have mostly been absent, it's like he's hoping they show some kind of flash. And even if the numbers show that even when he's when he's rocking those qualities of his game, the Knicks aren't really much better for it. And they're far better when Quickly's in there. Because to your point, Alex, the way to punish Atlanta for focusing on Randall so much is to surround him with shooting. And the way for Randall to punish the Hawks when he's not making shots is to go downhill and get to the rim. It's impossible for him to do that when Alfred Payton's in the game. With a playoff defense that features one of the best rim protectors in the entire league in Clint Capella, you're just you're going to be trying to get your car out of mud, right? He's not going to get a lot of momentum going to the basket. He's so good that he'll still get his finishes. And yeah, he'll he'll have a game this series. Maybe it's maybe it's next game. Maybe it's game three. Maybe it's the rest of the series where he gets really hot in his jumpers and he doesn't need to go inside. But for the Knicks to win this series, Julius is going to have to be. He's going to have to do what Trey Young did he, in big situations. He's going to have to get easy buckets. But why was that bucket so easy for Trey Young? It was because the Hawks were spread out with good shooters, and Frank probably made a mistake by playing so far out, but he was on an island. And it doesn't matter how good of a defender you are. If you're 35 feet out on an island against one of the quickest players with one of the best handles in the league, you're probably going to get toasted. And the same is true for Julius relative to big guys, right? He's one of the quickest bigs in the league. He's one of the best handles in the league for a big. And if you're John Collins, or even if you're Clint Capella, and you have to guard him 22 feet out, and the Knicks have four shooters out there who you can't leave, then Julius is going to get to the bucket and he's going to get an easy basket. But because of Alfred Payton, you don't have to play him that way. You can lean an extra defender his direction all the time. And the issue with the Knicks is, unlike the Hawks, um, I mean, depending on the lineup, the Knicks never put out five shooters because they're always going to have a rim-protecting big who can't stretch the floor in the game. But you can't put out three shooters because that's death, and that's what they're doing over and over and over again by insisting that Alfred Payton be part of this team. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything else on Randall. Not really. The only the only final note is um, he, he does have a bad tendency, whether like sometimes it's when he gets too hot, but other times when he's cold and getting um, trying to force his way out of a slump to just to force things. And it's going to be forgotten because this isn't why the Knicks lost, because they ended up getting the offensive rebound which by Taj, which led to that beautiful Rose floater. But I, I really didn't like Randall just chucking up a three. I guess was it with – 30 seconds left or so. Um, and he, he just kind of forced it. And he, he hadn't, he hadn't really, I, I know he hit the three, a couple of possessions before, but when you're cold, like he, I feel like he, he feels a little bit too inclined towards hero ball at points. And I, I get the inclination to some extent, just because again, the Knicks have finite options in these situations, but we've, we've seen them find better stuff. And, it, and again, if they settle for that, I just, I don't think they win this series, but that's all I had. On Julius Randle, Alex, can we can we end on maybe an optimistic note and talk about the rookies a little bit because I, I thought they were both great. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think we should we should definitely give a little shine to RJ's stretch too. I mean, he had the highlight of the game. Yeah. Period. I think that that dunk that he threw down on Bogdanovich in transition was like that was the moment that when I heard the Garden after that one, I was like, oh man, this is awesome! Like the Garden is back. Um, which that was wild too. I don't know if we've really given shine to the fact that like the, it was crazy hearing that on TV again. So fun. I, I just, I mean, I guess, I guess this gets into the rookie conversation, but 
all all year, I every time quickly hits a thirty footer, I'm like, man, what would that sound like in a big game with a full crowd? And finally, getting that after eighty two games of build up was, I mean, it, it was it was so cathartic. It, it was it was amazing. And you could tell that quickly was just like feeding off the crowd in this game too. I mean, he had. We talk about. I mean, I think that Randall had some jitters to a degree. Um, but quickly had zero jitters. Like, I mean, he, he looked like the vet out there and I feel Randall, like, I think Randall was in many ways putting a lot on himself in this game because like he's 26 years old. It's his seventh year in the league. It's his first time in the playoffs. You know, it's gotta be. And like, now he's like a big time alpha dog, probably about to win most improved player of the year, probably an all NBA talent. You know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a pretty big uh, stage for him right now. So I, I, I could see where it was kind of, you know, I think I think his nerves got to him a little bit quickly, though, came in off the bench, man. And like, I think he played probably about as many minutes as he's played in the last like two months, too. He played 21 minutes. I I don't remember the last time that he played 20 minutes. Maybe I'm just misremembering. But most of the time lately, Quick has been playing like 15 to 18 minutes. Came into this one, played 21 Scored 10 points, 4-7 shooting, 2-2 two two from 3, uh, 3 assists. I mean, I thought he was he was doing everything right in this game. Um, he had very few things that really, you know, there was no head-scratching moments. He wasn't cold at all, really. Um, once he started really rocking, I mean, yeah, he he had the garden in the palm of his hands, man. Like, he was he was ready for the, for the stage and for the moment and everything else. He did have one, I guess there was one semi-boneheaded moment. Uh, kind of towards the end, he he did foul Trey Young on a three point attempt, which was very similar to like the type of stuff that uh, that quickly does often with like the little pump fake and then the kind of lean in while shooting uh, to make sure that you generate that contact. He did fall for one of those, so I guess that's the one blemish for him. But I thought that otherwise he played great. You know, he didn't didn't shy away from the moment at all. He um, I mean that that one three that he took, the one that you're talking about. He took from like the if you're looking at the Knicks logo, there's like the, you know, the little like triangle that is behind the whole thing. He took it from like the triangle behind the K in the Knicks logo. It was just insane. Like just the stones on him to pull up from there in a playoff game in a critical moment when the Knicks were trying to like really, you know, uh, solidify themselves. And I, I think that gave I forget what the situation was score wise, but I'm pretty sure that gave them a lead or increased their lead up to like four or something at that moment. Um just crazy, crazy confidence and shot making and awesomeness from quickly. Um, I think that it bodes really well for for the Knicks if he's going to be hot like this for this series. Because if he can play like his best self with Burks and Rose playing like their best self off the bench. And, you know, then if Randall and Bullock and Barrett to some degree figure their stuff out in the starting lineup. I mean, the, the Knicks... We could potentially be in a week and a half talking about this game as a, a thing far in the past, you know, that, oh, the Knicks came back and they won, you know, three out of the next four games or whatever and and uh, put this away in, in six games or something like that. Like that, that could very well be a thing that we're talking about soon. Um, so, yeah, it's quickly it was great. I, I loved his play, but I'll throw it to you because I'm sure that you have some individual moments you want to uh, talk about, too. Yeah, Alex, I think I think you nailed it when you you mentioned that he didn't have jitters. It, it felt like he had the he had the eye of the tiger from from game one, and, and also and to your point that he's he's been waiting all season for this stage and this crowd 
my favorite moment of outside of the the RJ dunk and the OB dunk to your point, and I guess quickly shots. There there were a lot of man Burks. There were there were a lot of really good moments. But my favorite funny moment was when um, IQ got by Trey and, and hit uh, a little runner, and then he he just put his put his hand down and did the too small thing to Trey, who's almost definitely the exact same height as him. That that really put a smile on my face. And if if I could love IQ anymore, uh, that that pushed me up another level. Um, but yeah, his his big shot making. His his confidence to even take those shots, and on on top of it all, you, you see the swagger and the fact that he just has the skill level to pull that off. But then to dive even deeper into his skill set, he he absolutely toasted Bogey when they were going one on one with this little jab series. And I, I've said it all year with him, but the fact that right off the bat it's translating to the playoffs, he was the area he was supposed to really struggle coming into the NBA. Was that all right? He he's gonna shoot threes, but he's gonna really, really. Sh- he's just not an NBA athlete in terms of his ability to drive. But he's so skilled that he makes up for that. Whatever he's lacking in terms of explosiveness, and and to be fair, he's you know, pun intended quick. Um, but jabs bogey out of his shoes didn't end up making the shot, but it led to a Noel putback. But just the fundamentals for IQ translating to the playoffs. Really, really impressive stuff. And then Obi Toppin. Um, if you told me early in the year that. The Knicks were somehow going to get the four seed. I would have said, great. And then you said, all right, uh, guess who's going to be in the rotation? I would have said, well, not Obi Toppin. They, they, they probably benched him about halfway through the year when they realized um, they were going to be good. Instead, he feels like an integral part of this team. That dunk was was so, so awesome. Um, then had a little, he had a nice pass to Noel for a jumper. And then the three that he took, I, I don't know about you, Alex. I'm, every time he shoots a three now, I'm like, yeah, that's going in. He, he's, he, he's so confident in that high arc that felt destined to end up probably hitting some poor fan in the head earlier in the season now just feels like it'll inevitably go through the basket so big ups to Obi Toppin Um, I'm going to end on this Alex Uh, this is kind of kind of an impossible question but result aside in terms of how it relates to the rest of the series like ignore the fact that the Knicks are down 1-0 does what happened tonight leave you more or less confident that the Knicks will win the series or are a better team than the Hawks. Oh, that's a, that's a toughie. Yeah. Big, big uh, matzo ball when we, when we have to finish up. But, but go yeah. Ahead. I'm going to say in a way I feel less confident because I thought that they should have taken care of business easier, but for some of the, some of the same things that I mentioned already, I, I do feel kind of confident that, you know, the Knicks were in this game within a point in a game where Julius Randle shot 623, you know, and was missing shots that he normally makes. There were so many, so many junctures of this game where the Knicks really could have gone on that game ceiling run. If Randall had it tonight, you know, there, there was just those times where they'd be up four points, six points, whatever. And Randall would get the ball. He would take the shot and you go, maybe this is the one. And then it wouldn't be the one. And he would, it would clang. And then Hawks would, you know, run down, hit a three or something all of a sudden, it's a two point game, three point game, whatever. And then they would even it up soon thereafter. And, you know, it rinse and repeat all the way through the, the end result of the game where obviously the Hawks were the ones that put things away. But I think if, I think if Julius plays, you know, closer to his normal self, let's just say that maybe he doesn't, you know, even touch his best self of his 40 point self that, you know, he was playing against the Hawks with during the regular season even if he just gets back to his normal 20 something points per game on, you know, 40 
34% overall shooting and, you know, 38% from three or something like that. That's, that's going to be enough to put the Knicks over in this series. I think so. I would say in a strange way, despite being down Oh one, I am slightly more confident in the Knicks after this game uh, to potentially be able to win this series. I do think, you know, my official prediction when we did like the locker room the other day was I said Knicks and six. I'm going to change that now. I, I think it'll probably take seven games if the Knicks are going to get out of this series, but uh, mostly because of the fact that they just lost home court advantage in this game. Uh, so they're going to have to, you know, take that back at some point. I don't know what game it would be. Hopefully it would be, you know, game three or four, but maybe it takes till game six, you know, with them down three, two or something like that. Um, I, I don't know what it's going to take, but I do feel like, uh, the Knicks can still win this series. So I, I would say that I could see a world where they win. I could see a world where they lose, but I still feel like they're going to win. Um, and, and I would say that I guess ultimately when you factor both things in, I would consider it about a push as to where I'm at, but what, where are you as far as that's concerned? I think I'm, I think I'm with you weirdly enough. I mean, I, I predicted Hawks and six and again, this would, it would go against my, the, the premise of my question to include that the Hawks are up, 1-0, but that solidifies to me that they're the favorite to win this series. But I, I think what I really liked from this game is how the Knicks' gumption, if for, for lack of a better term, transitioned into the playoffs. And that was sort of the unknowable quality. Again, I mean, circling back to how I started this, maybe, maybe a good way to end this coming full circle. Atlanta, in my mind, is definitively the more talented of the two teams. The Knicks have to win by being tougher than them and, and by having guys who, who have no business going off in a playoff game like Alec Burks, go off. And tonight, in, in some ways, it, 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 that quality held true with quickly making the 25-plus footers with Burks, making insane shot after insane shot, with Derrick Rose making one of the craziest floaters I've ever seen over John Collins in, in the biggest moment of this game. Those things translated. And you can lose a little bit of that and still be in these games, to your point, if, if the guys who play the most minutes on your team, which are Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and Reggie Bullock, don't go a combined 15 of 47 from the floor. In that sense, I'm more confident. In, in the sense that I, I think what I thought going in about the Hawks being the more talented team and the fact that in, in the third game of the year when they played, the Knicks had a lot, a lot of issues with Trey Young. Um, and that that would come into play in, in terms of just his ability to win off the dribble and create havoc. And I think the Knicks had a great game plan, and, and they still fell. So mixed feelings overall, I actually do feel a tiny bit more confident, but uh, we will see. We'll, we'll, we'll actually uh, be back to talk to you guys tomorrow. We're going to be joined by friend of the show, Dallas Amico, who, um, if you didn't notice, he, he does uh, some incredible film breakdowns. The Strickland did one. Uh, for this for this series, talking about the Hawks' pet sets and how they get into their offense and how what the Knicks can do to disrupt it. So please go check that out. And he will be with us tomorrow to sort of give us the deep dive tactical look at game one and what Alex and I may have missed on that front. And then, of course, we'll be back for game two, three, four, five, six, seven, however long it takes for the Knicks to put away the Atlanta Hawks. But until then, for Alex Wolf, I'm Gavin Shaw. Peace out. 